Um, This morning's Bible reading is from Mark 6, um, verses 30 to 44. The apostles returned from their mission and gathered around Jesus and told him everything they had done and taught. There was such a swirl of activity around Jesus, with so many people coming and going, that they were unable to even eat a meal. So Jesus said to his disciples, come, let's take a break and find a secluded place where you can rest a while. They slipped away and left by sailboat for a deserted spot. But many of the people saw them leaving and realized where they were headed. So they took off running along the shore. Then people from the surrounding towns joined them in the chase and a large crowd got there ahead of them. By the time Jesus came ashore, a massive crowd was waiting. At the sight of them, his heart was filled with compassion because they seemed like wandering sheep who had no shepherd. So he taught them many wonderful things. Late that afternoon, his disciples said, It's getting really late and we're here in this remote place with nothing to eat. You should send the crowds away so they can go into the surrounding villages and buy food. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. Are you sure, they replied, you really want us to go and buy them supper? It would cost a small fortune to feed all these thousands of hungry people. How many loaves of bread do you have, he asked. Go and see. After they had looked around, they came back and said, five plus a couple of fish. Then he instructed them to organize the crowd and have them sit down in groups on the grass. So they had them sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Then Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, gazed into heaven and gave thanks to God. He broke the bread and the two fish and distributed them to the disciples to serve the people. And the food was multiplied in front of their eyes. Everyone had plenty to eat and was fully satisfied. Then the 12 disciples picked up what remained and each of them ended up with a basket full of leftovers. Altogether, 5,000 families were fed that day. Thanks, Jess. It's always good to hear the Word of God. Always good. So thank you. Hey, I want to say a special warm welcome to the people watching online today. We've got a few people isolating who have been unwell. Um, We're praying for you to get better. So welcome to you as well. Um, We're glad that you're joining us, however it is. Hey, uh, Jess and Jared have very graciously agreed to come and be my guinea pigs uh, today. So I have a quiz for them with my high-tech boards. Here you go, one for you each. All right, so maybe, Jess, do you want to come and sit on this side? I have some questions. Okay, just about being new parents. Ready? All right, let's do it. What was the first thing, remember, right back, you know, months and months and months before Maddie was born, what was the first thing you bought for Maddie, before she was born. When you get it, hold it up. All right. Clothes. Yes. Okay, that's true. They both bought clothes. Excellent. Okay, what did you think? Just flip your page over or drop it or whatever works. What did you think would be the most important thing you would need to have a baby? All the parents are going, hmm. What did you think was the most important thing that you needed to have a baby? All right, hold it up when you're done. Okay, nappies, sleep. (laughs) 
That's good. What actually was the most important thing that you need uh, when you have a baby? Oh, bit of help from the room there. So they're your answers. They don't have to be right. Sleep. <laughs> Emergency formula. That is important. Good, good call. Good call. Okay, uh, a couple more. What surprised you about having a baby? What's something that, wow, I didn't expect that. All right, we've got all the things they don't know. Yes, and a poo explosion. (laughs) Until you experience it, you haven't experienced it. Okay, last one. Name three essentials to have as new parents. Now that you're on the other side having a baby, what's three essentials to have as new parents? A lot of other parents here. They wish they were up there, hey. I could do a whole line. New parents up here. Three things. Jared's got his three. All right, we've got pram, nappies, and support. They're good things. Friends, sleep, and food. Nice. All right, let's give them a clap. Well done, guys. Thank you. Yeah, this one. Thank you for that. Preparing to have a baby. Preparing for their miracle to arrive. They had to do something. We don't have to do something, but it's good to be a bit prepared, doesn't it? To have a baby. And today in this room, we have people who are waiting for a miracle to happen. You've been saying for a long time, if only this would happen, if only this would change, if only this was different, I can't do it, but I I wish it would just happen. And we can prepare ourselves for our miracle. And that's what I want to talk about today. Are you ready for a miracle? So here's the story. Jesus goes out into the wilderness with his disciples. They're going to have a break. The people find out they like hearing Jesus, so they follow. They follow so fast they actually get ahead of him. And they're there waiting when he gets there. Jesus sees them and he says, I just can't leave these people go. I need to teach them. So he sits with them. They spend all day listening to him. All day. Better than YouTube cat videos, Jesus speaking to them. It was a great day. Then it gets to late afternoon and the people are hungry. The disciples say to Jesus, we need to feed these guys. Uh, There's no food here. Let's send them away. Jesus says, no, you feed them. There's no McDonald's. There's no Coles chickens anywhere close. Can't just pick up some buns and a chicken and a quick meal. No charcoal chicken, that's the long jetty thing to get, right? We don't have that out in the desert. Everyone's hungry. So Jesus shows four steps to prepare for a miracle. And we can do those four things today that they did back back then. Four things we can do. The first one is admit I have an unsolvable problem. Now in your seat, you might have one of these 
that you're sitting on. If there's not one nearby, do you want to put your hand up and um, we'll get some more to you. We've got a little stack somewhere. Yep, thanks, Adam. Just drop, drop your hand up. And it's got all of the um, points that I'm talking about today, the steps, so you can take them home. If you want to fill the gaps in, you're welcome to do that as well. So number one is admit I have an unsolvable problem. I can't fix it. Now let me be really blunt here. If we don't have an unsolvable problem, we don't need a miracle. Because if we can solve it, just solve it. Right? It's pretty obvious. A lot of times we want God to do a miracle and God's saying, the reason you're in so much debt, you spend too much money. Stop spending it. You don't need a miracle. You just need to stop clicking the button to buy now. I need to admit I have an unsolvable problem. Now in the the Bible reading we just read out uh, about what happened here, there were three responses that came from that whole situation. The first one is that we procrastinate. We procrastinate. Three things that we do. We procrastinate. By this time, it was late in the day. They hadn't thought about food until it was really late. Remember when you're growing up, if you're a bit older like me, the shops used to shut early, especially on the weekend. I used to do my grocery shopping at 7 o'clock. The shop shut at 8. If I was ever late, we didn't get food on Sunday afternoon. We had to get it Monday because it was too late. They procrastinated. We have a problem and we can't solve it, so we keep putting it off. Anyone? put off stuff that they can't do. Yeah, yeah, we do that. The next thing we do is we blame others. The disciples said, send them away. We didn't invite these guys. This isn't our problem. They're hungry because of their own fault. They should have brought their own food. The third thing we do is we worry. They said, Jesus, it's going to take us eight months' wages to just to pay for these guys to have burger and chips. The disciples' anxiety is going into overdrive because they're trying to work out how on earth do we feed so many people. They're procrastinating, they're blaming, they're worrying. And the problem with this picture is they're standing with the guy that could turn stones into bread. They're standing with Jesus who they've already seen do all these miracles already, and they're going, oh, no, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Jesus said, you feed them, and they say, that's impossible. Has God ever asked you to do something impossible? He loves to do that. God loves to ask us to do something impossible, and we go, God, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the energy. I don't have the education. you got the wrong person, God. I can't do that. And God says, you're perfect. You're perfect for the job. God says, I want you to do the impossible because he wants to stress our faith every time. Many years ago now, almost a lifetime ago, I lived on a cattle station. And one day I went horse riding um, with some of my students. They had a lot of cattle. It was a cattle station. Um, And we went out horse riding and they gave me a horse called Princess. Now, that should be my first indication we're going to have issues because anything called princess, 
even that many years ago meant hmm. So got on Princess, we're bareback riding that day. So we, we go out. All of a sudden, Princess decides to bolt. So I'm holding on to Princess. You know, there's not much to hold on to with a horse. You've got to kind of cling and hold and pray, yell. <laughs> I did all those things. And she decided to exert her royal authority by going straight through the bush um, as far as she could until she got tired of listening to me going, ah, 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 ah. You know, that was me the whole way. I think if anyone lived closer, they would have heard me, but it was in the middle of nowhere. So we went all the way out. She stops finally. I get off and I'm like, I'm not getting back onto you again. So we walked all the way back. It took forever to walk all the way back to the homestead again. Uh, and the girls that were with me, they just laughed their heads off at me because I didn't know what I was doing. I was clueless about how to stop a horse while I was bareback. I didn't understand it. And it made sense afterwards. I can kind of ride now, but not really got on bareback. Someone needs to hear this today. Stop getting back onto a crazy wild ride. Here's another solution to the problem. It's not that one that you can see. It might be the impossible one over here that God's got waiting for you. Sometimes we need to get off the wild ride. We just need to stop and maybe we need to take a slow, quiet walk back again and find where God wants us to be. That's the first tip of a miracle. I have to admit that the problem I'm facing right now is unsolvable. Second step to a miracle, give God what I already have. Jesus said to the disciples, go out and see if somebody's got any food. And a little boy's there with his lunch his mum packed for him. It wasn't a lot. It's enough for a little boy to have. Just a couple of fish and some tiny barley loaves. He's the only one. But he becomes the hero of the story because he's willing to offer up what he's got. He gives to God the little of what he had. Now, why did Jesus ask them to look for food? He didn't need anything to do a miracle. Jesus could just go, bread for everyone, snap his fingers, and it would have fell like the manna did from heaven. He could have done that. But he wanted to start with what we have. God always starts with what I have already. It may not be much, but I give it to God. God, I don't have much time, but here's my time. I don't have much in the way of finances, but I give you what I have. My God, my talent isn't much, but here's what I, what I can do. I give you everything in my life. It isn't much, and I'm going to give you my five loaves, my f- five loaves and my two little fish. John 6, 6 says, now Jesus already knew what he was about to do. God already knows the answer before I even know the problem. In our lives, God already has an answer to the problem that you're facing right now. He already knows the answer to the problem you're going to face next year. He already knows it. Why would we go anywhere else except to the person that has the answer? When I was 18, I was coming to the end of my year at the Savos Discipleship School and I was starting to look for jobs. And, and being 18, I had not a lot of experience. I could you know, ride a horse bareback, kind of. Um, but apart from that, there wasn't a lot else I could do because I was still fairly young and inexperienced. And for some weird reason, I somehow got a phone interview with a principal of a training college um, to work as a secretary and receptionist there. And, and she gets me on the phone and she's like, can you do secretarial work? And I'm like, 
yeah, yes, I can. No idea what I was doing. I show up to the job and I learn on the way and it was fantastic. I really enjoyed that job. I learned as I went. It didn't, I didn't understand it all and it made sense afterwards. I had to pedal pretty hard. It's a lot you need to learn when you're doing secretarial work, but we got there. I admit I have an unsolvable problem and I give to God what little I have. Step three, put it all in the hands of Jesus. That's our third step. Put it all in the hands of Jesus. Five little loaves and a couple of sardines. It isn't much, the boy said, but I'm giving it to you. Jesus took the loaves and the fish. He blessed the food, broke it, and then he kept giving it to the disciples to set before the people. God's going to use whatever I give to him. If I give him what little time, energy, effort, whatever I've got, if I give it to God, he's going to use it. He's going to use what I give to him. Number four, expect God to multiply it. This is the best part of the story. They finished off the day with more than when they started. Who's ever done that before? Finished off the day with more than what you started with. More resources, more faith, full tummies. Everyone was happy. The day was fantastic. Everyone went home, you know, feeling great because of what had happened, because God multiplied it. Whatever I give, I'm always going to get back more. Mark 6.42 says, everyone ate. That's all 5,000 families. That had enough and afterwards they collected 12 baskets full of leftovers. They're all going home with doggy bags even. More than what they started with. Because we can't outgive God. God likes to do miracles through people. He likes to work through the ordinariness of people. And while we wait for God to do for us, God is wanting to do something through us. He wants us to be part of the miracle. He wants us to be part of the blessing. He wants us to see him working through little me. Who would have thought that God would do something through you? But he wants to, and he will. The Bible says in Mark 10, all things are possible with God. And the ultimate example of all things are being possible And the reason we know all things are possible with God is what we're going to celebrate this week, and that's Easter. Because if God could raise a person from the dead, he can do anything. If God can raise a dead human being, he can raise a dead marriage. If God can raise a dead human being, he can raise a dead career. He can raise a dead dream. He can raise dead finances. He can raise a dead body. God can do anything, and Easter proves it. Easter is when Jesus paid the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice for us. He gave his life. And he didn't just die on a cross because there's more to the story. He died to take away my guilt, my shame, my sin, and bring salvation to the whole world. Uh, Becoming an officer, uh, that's our official title of our position, an officer in the Salvation Army is a pretty big deal uh, in Salvation Army uh, ways. And uh, when I became an officer 20-something years ago now, uh, it was a a big event that happened in Sydney. 
And that year was quite big because the international leader of the Salvation Army, General John Gowans, was out uh, in Australia, especially for that event. And so it was, it was pretty big. And our a whole week, it was, it was a big week. Everything was planned pretty much down to the minute, where you had to be, what function was on, what you had to do. The whole deal was you even got a little booklet called a brief and you had to follow it carefully. Now, it doesn't surprise a lot of you, somehow I, I missed the cue that I had to catch a bus somewhere. <laughs> so I got left behind and I was stuck in Darling Harbour when I should have been closer to Hyde Park, which isn't a far to get, you know, it's easy to walk or a little jog to get there. But at that point, I had high heel stockings and his little skirt on. So, you know, I'm not jogging there because that I was going to break something. Who knows what? And so I didn't know what to do. <laughs> no one videoed it, so it's all good. Somehow we managed to find someone else going to the same event that I was supposed to be at. And they said, yeah, well, you can come with us. It's great. And that's how I found myself sitting in the general's car with a whole group of very official people and me. (laughs) I shouldn't have been there. I wasn't invited to be there. I wasn't supposed to be there. I didn't have the qualifications to be in that car. I didn't have the reason to be there, but someone said, there's room for you. There's room for you. Seeing a miracle is awesome, and that points us to who Jesus is because he wants to do miracles in our lives to see his awesomeness. But the real miracle is Jesus clearing a space so that we can be in right relationship with God. We don't need to be wondering what happens when we die because we know we've got a place to go. We've got a future to be. We've got someone saying, there's a space for you. You can come. Sure, you don't deserve it, but because of Jesus and what he did on the cross, the place is there. The place is there. The miracle we can step into today is being in right relationship with God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. We can step into a new life with Jesus. So are you ready to welcome Jesus into your life? The thing is, we don't have to perform. We don't have to have our life in order. We don't have to look or sound or behave or have a a past that's squeaky clean. Jesus says, if you're willing right now, you're in. If you're willing right now, you're in. You don't have to make amends. You don't have to fix it up. I mean, they'd be good things to do, but you don't have to do that because Jesus says, my offer is free. There's no strings attached. The offer is free. He's poised, ready to accept when we ask. And it's as simple as a prayer. So are you ready for a miracle? The first time I rode a motorbike all by myself, they said, can you ride a motorbike? I said, yes. (laughs) I said, tell me about it. They said, it's automatic. Now, I'd driven automatic cars. I thought it was the same thing. It was not. (laughs) 
So now I know that they mean electric start being automatic, not a kickstart bike. And I got that thing going in first and I stayed in first <laughs> the entire lap of the whole thing. You could hear me in my life. I thought maybe if I go faster, it will click into the next gear. It didn't. You know, being automatic at all, it didn't. <laughs> the whole way around. I got back and they said, you don't know how to change gears. I went, no. <laughs> Just takes a little tap, really. Once you know, you can do it. I didn't understand then, but I now know. When I got my L's with Andrew years and years ago, and, when, and actually did learn to ride a motorbike properly, I know how to do it now. Didn't understand how then, and it sure made sense afterwards. No qualifications, no experience, no clue. I'm in because someone gave me the opportunity. And Jesus is wanting to give you the opportunity today to come into relationship with him. I got a job I wasn't qualified for. I rode a horse I wasn't able to. I got a lift in a vehicle I wasn't entitled to be in. I rode a motorbike when I didn't know how to. And I'm sure if I thought a bit harder, there's a whole lot of other I had no idea what I was doing, but I didn't die moments. How? Because sometimes we need to take hold of our miracle before we're old enough, before we're good enough, before we got our life together enough or before we're ready for it. I just need to say yes. And it makes sense later. On this day, we, we celebrate how Jesus walked into a, a city and people cheered for him and said, welcome Jesus. And it was only a few days later they were saying, crucify him. But they were preparing him to come in. He knew what was going on. They didn't. Preparing him to come in. Jesus walked in with a cheering crowd, preparing himself to go on the cross. Am I ready? Am I prepared to have Jesus in my life? I want to make that opportunity available to you today. It's as easy as a prayer. Just say yes. Work the details out. Work the details out. Why don't you all close your eyes with me? I'm going to pray a prayer. If you would like to receive Jesus into your life today, I just ask you to raise your hands. Everyone's eyes are closed so no one else can see apart from me. If you'd like to receive Jesus into your life, I just ask you to raise your hand. Yep. Yeah, I can see some hands up. It's great. It's exciting. Best decision you'll make. Thank you. You can put it down once you've dried up so I could have seen it. Yep. So exciting. Let me pray. Well, let's, let's pray a prayer together. Why don't you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I believe in you and I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and for giving me life and eternity. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Amen.